Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and on today's show we're recapping PSG's win over Olympic Lyonnais. We're going to discuss the latest comments made from Neymar and we're going to give a reaction to the Champions League draw uh, that happened last Thursday. Here to help me to do that, we've got Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise and Drew from Dallas. I've had both of you guys on before, but never at the same time, so really looking forward to this. Hope you guys are doing well, and thanks for joining. Uh, we're recording this show just minutes after the final whistle of PSG's 4-1 win over Leon at the Groupama Stadium, and that's where I want to start. So, incredible performance by the team. Maybe not perfect, but it was pretty damn close. Uh, we saw goals from Mbappe. He had two. We saw Asensio get on the board. And even Hakimi uh, was able to score. So uh, let's start with Drew. What was your main takeaway from the match? Um, you know, watching the match today, it seemed like it was a progression from the previous match um, last week with it being like the first match with Mbappe and Dembele starting, um, even though... Asensio was, you know, didn't start this match compared to um, not or started last match and didn't start this match. But it seems like the cohesion of the team has is really progressed in these last two weeks with Mbappe starting and Dembele starting on either flank. And it looks a lot of harmonious play. It looks like the midfield trio is just, you know, what we've always been waiting for over the last few years. Um, it seems that their freedom of just knowing where to go and where to be placed um, in transition, out of transition, behind the ball. It seems like, you know, whatever Enrique is doing in the training sessions midweek has really been paying off. And it's really a joy to see. Um, today was just, it seemed like today was one of the best matches I've seen in probably two or three years in the league. Um, so it was really good to see, um, especially away from home. It seems like, you know, during the Poch era and the Galtier era, we really struggled away from home. Um, against the bigger clubs in France, you know, Lyon, Monaco, um, Marseille, whoever it may be. It seems like we really struggled away from home in the last few years. And to see us have a big dominant victory away from home um, at Group Alma Stadium was really good to see. And I was really happy to see, um, you know, different kind of goals, counterattacking goals, you know, recovery goals, um, some scrappy goals here and there. So it was really good to see all across the board. You mentioned the midfield and you had Vitinha, although he was more of like a winger. Ugarte, who I'm sure we're going to talk plenty about him. Zaire Emery, who was a little kind of, he got lost in this game, I thought. not Maybe not his best performance, but you're right. The crisp passing, the, the counterattacking, it reminded you of Barcelona when Luis Enrique was there. I mean, the, the passing and the movement was really fluid, really exciting to watch. Uh, we haven't had that in a long time. Ethan, what was your main takeaway from the game? What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, main takeaway. I think that last year, uh, a lot of us would comment on um, the lack of technical superiority that we had over teams. I feel like today, obviously, it's still not perfect by any means, but uh, it just felt like technically, you know, we were making the dribbles that we had to. We were keeping the ball when we had to, making the runs when we had to. Um, I feel like the, the players, you know, ball control and dribbling for the most part was really, really good. Uh, so that was, was one thing that I took away. But I think the main takeaway would just be the the overall cohesiveness, uh, the level of of teamwork that w that we were seeing. Uh, we just haven't seen in the past because you know a lot of times during like last year when we had Galtier as manager, he was known for his very good defensive records, uh, and it just didn't work. Just whatever he was doing in training, whatever he was trying to communicate with the players, our our defense was not good last year. So. Um, I, we're seeing obviously today, you know, we allowed a goal and I think Leon's XG was two something, but we're seeing improvements, which I think is the main thing. We don't need to be anywhere near our best in September. You know, you don't win the champions league in September. You win it in May, but, um, yeah, overall the, the level of teamwork I think was, was really good. So obviously we'll keep improving. And also, of course, we're going to get into it, but just the level of depth that we have, I mean, you can make a quality starting 11 from the guys that we didn't play today if everyone was healthy. So, um, yeah, those are my, my main thoughts. Yeah, my my main takeaway, Ugarte, just fantastic. He was the one who was able to win the the duel there, pick the ball off of Tolisso and, and win the penalty, and Mbappe converted. I thought he was amazing. Dembele, I'm just going to start calling him the microwave. I mean, he's like instant offense. You get on the ball, he heats up immediately. And he whatever he does, he's like creating offense and creating a chance. 
Unfortunately, he, someone, I think, tweeted out that he's got a hat trick of almost goals. So we just need him to, to get it on frame there and score. But he is something he's something to watch. He's fantastic. And Asensio is a player that I thought was like, eh, okay, you know, Asensio, whatever, getting a free transfer. What a player he's been uh, turned out to be. I mean, he's really making the case to uh, find a way to keep him on the pitch. Um, I got a question for you guys about that. Um, Ethan, you mentioned the defense. And Drew, we'll go back to you on this one. What do you make of PSG's defense? Um, Donnarumma, several world-class saves. I thought it was one of his better games and a PSG shirt since he arrived. But it just doesn't feel like the back four are functioning as a unit yet. Do you place the blame on Marquinhos, who's the captain, who's the elder statesman on the defense there? Um, do you think maybe Danilo should come in and add some stability? What what can be done to make that back four really function as a unit? You know, from what I noticed, it seems like how the system has been working now is that Hakimi has been pushing up and Lucas Hernandez has been staying back. So you kind of have a flat three across the back. And so it seems like it depends on what side of the ball the transition is on when our team is attacking us. But it seems like if one of the midfielders doesn't shuffle over, that it seems like on that side, Marquinhos kind of gets isolated, which kind of makes it look a little bit bad on his side where the other side, you know, Lucas Hernandez is to screen yards left. And so he has that cover. But on the other side, it seems like Hakimi's usually so far up the pitch that Marquinhos can get kind of isolated in certain situations. We saw that a couple of times today um, in the game of Leon. But overall, I think that Skriniar was a question mark, but it seems like he's been solid enough. Um, he doesn't quite have the pace as Marquinhos nor Danilo, um, but it seems like he seems to be in the right place at the right time, kind of like that Thiago Silva kind of role at times. He was a lot of times in the right place at the right time. I think just with, you know, a little bit more games under the belt that the two of them might have a, a good pairing, but making a case for Danilo Pereira, um, you know, the guy is just a soldier and a warrior. Every time he comes on the pitch, good things happen. Um, you know, so it seems like you could take the gamble and put Danilo in Marquinhos' place and see how it goes. Um, I wouldn't be against that, um, but I guess that's just a decision with Enrique. Um, you know, with Hernandez, you know, staying back, will we see that when Nuno Mendes gets healthy? I don't believe so because Nuno Mendes is a very attack-minded player. So will Enrique change that system as far as one fullback going up, one fullback staying behind when Nuno Mendes comes back um, is going to be the biggest thing. But right now, honestly, I like with what we're doing with Hernandez kind of staying further back and having three on the on the on on the back line. Um, it gives us a little bit more, you know, solidity, especially with teams that have good attacking players. Leon doesn't really have the attacking players that they once did. Um, but, you know, with the, the groups that we're going to be playing against in the UCL, we're, we're definitely going to need uh, to have to have a, a good foundation of what we want to do um, on that back line. It seems like we haven't been leaking too many goals. It seems like all the goals that we've conceded this year have been kind of fluke penalties. Um, but against the run of play, it seems like the, the back line has been doing enough. Uh, and I think we can accredit on a lot of that to Manuel Agarte. Absolutely. Yeah. And Ethan, is this a situation where maybe it's not functioning as a cohesive unit because the, the best four aren't aren't there? Um, you mentioned Drew uh, said Nuno Mendes is coming back. So what do you do with a, a Lucas Hernandez? Where does he go? Does Marquinhos go to the bench so Danilo could come in? Um, does Mukiele, does he replace Hakimi as right back? Uh, it, I think that if there's a question to be asked about this squad, it is on the defense. So what do you have to say about it? Yeah, you know. We've got, there are going to be two of, because uh, I'm, I'm just assuming that Nuno Mendes is going to play. Uh, he is going to be the starter at left back when he's back from from injury. So that is going to put a couple of Lucas Hernandez, Scriniar, Danilo, or Marquinhos. Two of those guys are probably, I'm assuming that we're going to stick with the 4-3-3 because I just think that's what Enrique is kind of known for. That's what he's he's done for so long. I don't think he's going to deviate from that. So two of those guys will likely be on the bench at any given moment. So, um, but this is exactly what we've been wanting. We've been wanting depth. We've been wanting competition. We're seeing that in the attack as well. Uh, not as much depth in the midfield compared to defense and attack, but I think um, we're in, we're in a real good spot there. You know, we've got a young core that obviously, you know, we've, we've mentioned Ugarte has been super good, but I think, I think it's definitely worth, I trust Luis Enrique. He knows football better than I do. Of course. Uh, I've never won the Champions League at Barcelona, so 
I'm going to trust his decision on whatever he wants to do with, you know, the the two center backs that he's probably going to be playing most of the time. So it, it would be good that if he would switch it up. I was hoping that Danilo would come in today. Uh, I said on Twitter, uh, like at the 60th minute, I said I want to see these four guys get on the pitch, and all four of them did except for Danilo. Um, so yeah, but I, I think this competition is a good thing. I think it's been too too long. Has it just been? Marquinhos walking into the starting lineup, even if he's not having a good season, or uh, you, you know what I'm getting at, and that's been the case for a lot of positions. So yeah. I, I'm embracing it. I think it's a good thing, uh, especially because we really haven't spent we've spent a, a lot of money this summer, but in relation to what we've saved from players, outbound players, it's it hasn't been a massive, massive investment. Maybe after you know agent fees and all that, a hundred million out of the club's pocket, I would guess. Um, just because I've, you know, I love finance, so I've been doing the math on that. But if we're going to spend a bit more now, so that we don't have to buy anyone for the next couple seasons, because we've got all this good depth, then I'm totally fine with it. So yeah, we've we've got this this core, we've got this squad. Um, this is a squad that, at its best, can win the Champions League. I think that's it's only four games in, but I think you just we know the talent of the players that are on the pitch, even the ones that are essentially been you know, been making their debut for us recently. We know it's it's on paper it's a good enough team to win the Champions League. So just let Enrique cook, you know, let's settle in with this group of players and let's not try and make any drastic changes the next couple of years. And yeah, let these guys battle for their positions in training each day. So I'm with you. Let's just keep things, you know, stable. Even if we don't win the Champions League, it's okay. Let's keep the the manager longer than, you know, 15 minutes. Let's keep the squad together. Let's make small changes. But yeah, this team is really good. They should be able to compete. Let's move from the defense to the offense because I mentioned Asensio earlier. He's really good at playing that sort of false nine. And I just wonder with Randall Colomwani coming in, Drew, if you wanted to keep Asensio, could you drop him back and move Colomwani as a true striker and then maybe just have a Nugarte or Zaire Emery in the midfield? Is that something you think Luis Enrique would entertain? I'm just trying to figure out how to keep Asensio on the pitch and also bring in our 100 million euro man, uh, Colomwani. I mean, it's, it's a lot of really good players. How can we get as many of them on the pitches at the same time, you know? Yeah, that's definitely um, something that is of concern, you know, of as you know, he's come on board over the last couple of days, is where is he going to fit with Mbappe on one side, Dembele on the other side, and either you're going to put Gonzalo Ramos on the bench, most of us assume. Um, but with Asensio's, you know, pro- not only his progression, because he was good at Madrid, you know, and I watched a lot of games, you know, over the last few years when he was at Madrid, but it seems like his ability to pick out passes, make runs off the ball like a true nine, and, you know, defend because a lot of times in, in Madrid's system, when they had Zidane, they played on a 4-4-2. Um, he's used to playing a little bit further back in, in the midfield, um, but still making, you know, those transitional runs in towards the box. And to have, you know, Warren Zayermir and Ugarte playing as a double pivot in the midfield and then having one a little bit higher up, um, which could be Asensio if you put in uh, Kolomowani, would be something that would be really good. Um, I'm, I'm sure he would do the defensive work that would be, you know, necessary. And, you know, he's not too far off of the style of Vitinha. Vitinha is obviously a little bit more defensive. Um, but going forward, you know, Asensio is leaps and bounds ahead of, you know, Vitinha because it's two different styles of player. Um, I would be 100% for that. Um, I think it kind of depends on the game and the, the team that we're playing against, whether they have, you know, really stout midfield three or if it's a Champions League game where you don't want to kind of, you know, give up that midfield where you can, you know, um, put in another strong box-to-box midfielder. So I think it kind of depends on the, the team that you're playing, the situation um, that you're in. It could be, you know, one of those super sub situations where you drop, you know, Warren Zyramir and Garcia as, as, you know, the two holding midfielders and then have Asensio going forward in maybe the last 20 minutes of a match where you need to look for another scrappy goal and have four players going forward. Um, but it seems like with his with his goal scoring ability, and it seems like his 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 connection with Mbappe is, is picked up right off right off the go. Um, I was a little scared and hesitant when we got him. I thought, you know, maybe is this like the second coming of Pablo Sarabia, um, just a Spanish kind of attacking midfielder player. Um, you know, nothing towards um, Pablo Sarabia. He did his job, yeah, you know, at times. But I was kind of scared. You know, was this kind of a waste of a transfer? even though it was a free, but it seems like it's been, you know, good so far. 
Um, with Colin Milani, Colin Milani is a very versatile player. Um, you know, I didn't really see much of him at Nantes. Um, a couple years ago before he transferred to the Bundesliga, but watching him play, you know, you know, this winter um, for France when he would come in um, and seeing, you know, a lot of his uh, highlights at Viking Track Frankfurt, he's uh, a really pacey player. Um, so I think with the three of them, Mbappe, Dembele, and Kolomowani going forward, that's a nightmare for a lot of defenders. Um, you have players like Dembele who can, you know, switch, you know, their method of attack, left, right, right, left, turn a defender either way really quick on the top of a dime. Um, and Kolomowani, you know, kind of playing in that middle, but still kind of coming out wide. And same thing with Killian. Um, I think it's going to be really good to see. Um, and at the same time, you know, we all know that they play for the national team. So with them playing day in, day out, you know, for the national team and the club team, I think, you know, come mid-season, come, you know, if we all hope Killian stays, that their progression of just playing alongside each other will really, really take off. Um, and it should be something that could be really, you know, fruitful um, for the, for the team. Excellent takes. And one thing that I noticed um, with the attack, Ethan, is the, just the speed. And to uh, Drew's point about Colomani coming in, he's got speed and spades, right? <laughs> It felt like during this game, and we all know Leon are bottom of the table. Their manager, Laurent Blanc, is probably getting terminated uh, in the morning. He's getting sacked. Um, it seemed like in the midfield, it'd be a one-two pass, and then boom. There was acres of space, and either Dembele or Mbappe or Asensio was just sprinting through the, the midfield or, and into the, the final third. And that's just something, I think, for other teams that's very difficult for them to stop. You, you can't coach speed. You either have it or you don't. And PSG... Boy, do they have it. I was wondering if you could talk about that aspect. And then maybe if you want to touch on Mbappe, just playing with a, a joy again. And if you want to touch on um, Barkla, who came in in the 75th minute, I think it was. And he showed some good signs that, again, speed once again. Yeah, uh, my, my main takeaway from that and building off what Drew said, I, I think it's just going to be I know that I'm I'm a big uh, Gonzalo Ramos guy. I think he's going to be great for us. He started off slow, we've seen, obviously, and now we're even adding uh, Colomani into the mix. So his playing time could take a hit, but I think it's just what we were referencing earlier. I think it's strength and diversity. So we're going to have a guy like Gonzalo Ramos. He's solid in the air. Not that Colomani isn't, but um, it's, he's just a very different profile. That's pretty clear. So it's it's just going to be i'm very very interested and what i'm most looking forward to for the next month or two is seeing you know we're playing when we're playing dortmund versus when we're playing um just any like an average league team i want to see how luis enrique is going to set up the team differently you know how is he going to want to play during you know big champions league matches compared to these you know these scrappy we're going to be facing scrappy low block teams in liga it's just I'm very curious to see how because we haven't had this kind of diversity in attack for such a long time, and so it's um, yeah I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be really cool when just because right now um, we really can't. Well, we've got a lot of guys out right now, but in a month or a couple weeks when everyone's just about everyone's healthy, we're not going to have any idea what the starting lineup is. Well, there's going to be six spots honestly that are going to be up for contention every game. And it's it's just going to be like anyone's guess on who Enrique is going to be playing. I'm not a great tactical guy, uh, admittedly, uh, but uh, so some people have better guesses than me. But uh, we really, it's just that strength and diversity. So, and I I think it is big, like you were saying uh, with Mbappe. It does look like he's really enjoying himself again. I think this is what I think the club did what he kind of would have expected or would have asked for if he wanted to stay past this year i don't know if it's going to happen i mean obviously we're still waiting i know uh ed you put on on twitter i think right at full time that you want to see an mbappe extension over the international break yeah why and not i totally i totally agree it's just it needs we got to get that done I, I don't i still don't like that we didn't have it done before the window ended but you know obviously i'm not sitting there i'm not necessarily i'm not campos i'm not Luis enrique so they know what's actually going on to us, we're all just kind of speculating for the most part, but um, yeah, it's it is. I, I want to see him get locked down for a while, or if it's just going to be that kind of thing where we're going to set a, a gentleman's agreement for a release clause in his, you know, in an extension, so that he's going to be gone in a year or two, or, or whenever he wants. 
then you know at least we've got that core we've got Arkim we're gonna have Ramos Dembele uh Javi Simons coming back next year we'll have Barcola uh, and then you know like like you guys have touched on um just exactly what what Drew was saying where I thought Asensio would be kind of an eh signing um he has really surprised me and I've really been I didn't watch him a lot at Madrid so I didn't know what to expect I was kind of just my my expectations were built off of what other people were saying. So I didn't have a great, you know, I didn't know what to expect from him, but it's been surprisingly good. Um, I'm really liking his the profile and what he's doing so far. So, yeah, that's good. And then then I'm curious how Barcola is going to fit into the team. I mean, yeah, you guys have touched on it, but it's just almost like we've almost got too much, too many options in attack. So... I'm sure someone will get hurt at some point. I mean, we know Dembele's You can never have too many, too many options yeah, as we've yeah, learned. Yeah, good point. I mean, <laughs> unless you're spending, you know, a billion dollars on all those guys. But yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not breaking the bank. We're not spending hardly any more than all these other Champions League contenders. So Chelsea. Um, well, yeah, Chelsea spent yeah, – I, I We said, were saying I, Champions I League Champions contenders. League. Yeah, I said Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. Uh, but no, you're totally right. Yeah, we're not – our net spend hasn't been bad. Our wage bill is going to be down a bunch this year once we got, you know, a couple more guys going out to Saudi Saudi League. And, um, yeah, this is really just the most well-rounded that we've been in a while. So interesting to see what, what Barcola is going to be able to do. I'm just guessing he'll probably be a, a signing for the future. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Really interesting. I just I don't know enough about Barcola to have a true opinion on him. But, uh, you know, we've got plenty of options in attack now, which is – obviously a good thing um i saw the club posted he's the 500th player in phg's history to play in a official match so he's got that to his credit i'm sure you prefer a trophy and he was getting whistled at and i thought that was funny that the the leon fans were whistling at him and it's like it was your club that agreed to sell him there like they took the money from psg so i don't know why they would be upset with him um so that was a little bit strange but i think if i could sum up your guys what i'm hearing and just seeing on twitter it's almost like that lebron james mean like i can't believe this is my life like we, we've been wanting this for so long we've wanted depth we wanted scoring goals we wanted a competent manager we wanted a happy killian mbappe and we wanted more french players everything we wanted we got in one summer it, it's, it's truly incredible i can't believe this is our life right now that we get to actually watch an entertaining team scoring goals playing well it's very exciting um I guess I can just go around one more before we get to the next topic. Uh, Drew, any last thoughts on PSG's win over Leon? No, um, I was really excited to see his play. Um, you know, it seems like we just came out lights out, you know, from the get go. And uh, it's just like you said, it's really fun to see. You know, we went from, you know, a lot of negativity, you know, two and a half months ago um, to, you know, just flying on top of the world. And we're not even on top of the league right now, you know, so only more better days to come um, here in the league. and. Uh, look forward to just more cohesion and and more goals and and a better team for sure ethan any final thoughts on the win over leon yeah so it's funny that you mentioned that lebron meme i posted that uh right when we signed rkm i think i said man the options that we've got in attack and i think i tweeted that exact same meme i can't believe this is my life whatever um so yeah it, it's really great to have these options and then lastly we didn't touch on him uh, a bunch just because you know we've got limited time but just once again another shout out to the uruguayan manuel garte uh that Definitely. man is probably the most important player in the whole squad right now um i know a couple people have said that um i know carl oscar who yeah. i think has been on the podcast before at least you've yeah. interacted with him a lot mm -hmm. he, he was saying that same thing we need to protect he, him at all cost yeah, oh, yeah. For real. i mean he's he's that ball winning six that we've just needed for so long and um, he instantly just makes our defense probably twice as good. And we know that def the defense is where you win titles. So, and on top of that, he's bagging assists today. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. That, ball, that have ball is nice. Yeah. It, it was so nice. Yeah. He just not, there's not enough words to describe how good he has been so far. I, I was predicting when we signed him, I was like, this is going to be our most important signing this summer. Probably not the most flashy, not the most expensive, but if we win the champions league, I think it's going to be, a large part due to, to him. So yeah, loving, loving him so far. 
And I guess my last thought is uh, I'll just go over to Leon. As nice as it was to beat them 4-1, you know, Leon are one of the storied clubs in French football. We need them to be a little bit better than last place. Like, can we get at least a mid-table, if not, you know, pushing PSG? We need more competition. They need to get their business sorted out. And uh, that's a club that is just a factory for young players coming through. And it seems like they've stalled a little bit. So, um, they need to just play better. But overall for PSG, I think we've summed it up. Ugarte, incredible. Hernandez, as advertised, even though I was a little skeptical. Even though Vitinha, his his final decision isn't great, but he's getting in the right areas. He's he's getting into the spaces where he can either create for someone else or, or fire off a shot, but he just doesn't seem to get that last piece that he needs. But he he's going to get there, and I think he, you know, He's working with a, a new midfield and, and new attackers, so hopefully with time that'll that'll get there. And Hakimi got a goal, and he looked a little bit better than the first few matches, so I guess that's a, an improvement. So overall, PSG, well done, 4-1. They are, let me look at the, at the table here, they are in second place behind uh, Monaco, So and, uh, and Marseille are in third. So uh, should be a fun league on season. Let's keep it moving, because I want to talk about the Champions League draw, which was last Thursday. And we had pieces up from Jonathan Johnson talking about this is a dream scenario. This is a, a nightmare scenario. And I'm pretty sure PSG got his nightmare scenario because, of course, they would. So in Group F, PSG drew Dortmund, AC Milan, and Newcastle. And here in the United States, we were watching on uh, CBS, the Glotzo. They had the, the draw televised. And afterwards, I think all of their pundits picked PSG not to advance, which I thought was comical. Uh, we'll start with you, Drew. What was your initial reaction to the draw? Is it what you expected? Are you excited? Are you fearful? What kind of emotions are you having about this draw? Yeah, I was watching it in my office uh, the other day. And, um, you know, with with the French League coefficient and with us only having, you know, the first two automatically go through, we're always going to get, uh, how you want to say, a not so favorable draw. Um, we're always going to go against, you know, a good team from England, a good team usually from Germany and maybe from Spain or et cetera. So, you know, we usually have at least one heavy, heavy hitter in our group, no matter what, which is usually good. Um, I was excited that we got Dortmund one because of, you know, all the drama that happened back in 2020 um, when our friend Erling Holland was there and, you know, their Twitter page wanted to talk a lot of mess and this, that and the other. So. I'm excited to see um, us play Dortmund once again. Um, Newcastle is the one I'm really excited about. There's been a lot of hype around Newcastle. They had a really good year last year. Um, This year, they haven't started so well. I watched them play the week prior um, against Liverpool, and they were up 10 men with a goal in hand and still lost against Liverpool. Um, So, you know, granted, they're a very open team, um, and it seems like if – you have a team that plays very open um, that can play into our advantage, um, you know, bringing up the points that, you know, you're bringing up Ethan with the pace of our front line with Colomani, Dembele and Mbappe, um, you know, you leave space in behind, you're going to get punished. It doesn't matter what team it is. You know, you have, you know, lethal strikers like that and you're playing a fast paced game uh, with a lot of transition to play. I think that's one team that I was really excited because, you know, Teams that are a little bit more defensive minded, um, we can struggle against. UCL is already tough enough, but when you have a team that's a little bit more open and attacking, um, it, it can only play into a team like ours' advantage. Milan, to me, is going to be the toughest group um, opponent. Um, Rafael Liao is, is a top class striker. Our American friend Christian Ballistic has you know, moved to, to Italy, um, and it seems like he's been scoring goals. A lot over there. Um, Sincero is going to be a tough place to play along with Dortmund. Um, but I think overall, I think they're going to be our toughest challenge. Um, I was listening to a lot of uh, English commentary throughout the week after the draw was made. And the big thing that they're talking about with Newcastle is that a lot of those players, they lack the experience of Champions League. Um, and that's something that you can't buy. You can only get from just playing in the tournament itself. Um, so I think that will give a lot of our players an advantage. Um, Mbappe, Dembele, Marquinhos, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of these players are, are seasoned Champions League players where um, Newcastle, they don't really have that. You know, the Premier League is one thing, but Champions League is a whole nother beast um, on itself. Um, and Dortmund, Dortmund is not the team that they were. You know, Erling Holland is not there. They lost Bellingham to Madrid. They're a mid-table Bundesliga team right now. Uh, not to underestimate them because we know how um, – 
hard the Champions League is, and even in the group stage. Um, and Dortmund Signadula Park is a tough place to play away. You know, 80,000 fans is, is formidable. Um, but as far as threat going forward, um, I'm not too concerned about, you know, Dortmund. Um, and it looks like our defense um, is, is, is a lot more sturdy this year than it was in the years past. Um, it's going to be a really good, good, you know, group stage. I think if we could take care of business at home and the three matches at home and, you know, granted, you maybe draw one game away or two games away, that's still, you know, you're sitting at enough points to go through. Um, I think it's really going to come down to, you know, who's going to be the second place team. You know, you hope that we're not because you're going to play a top team from another group that's going to be the winner. You know, usually what happens, we get a top draw in the round of 16. Um, but I'm really excited. I think it's a blessing in disguise because it seems like League One teams have kind of dropped as far as their level of play. You know, you look at like, you know, Leon today, Marseille's not the same team that they were last year. Lons is clearly not. They've lost a lot of players. Luis Openda, Fofana. Uh, Monaco seems to be like our top component, you know, or competitor this year in League One. So I think having a tougher group stage this year will be a blessing in disguise because it can only prepare us for the round of 16. Um, you know, it seems like we kind of always have a little, of a, a little bit of a cakewalk through the group stage. Um, and then we get to the round of 16 and it seems like we're not prepared psychologically. We usually have random injuries, i.e. Neymar. Um, but it seems like this year having a tough group can really help us. It can really show what Enrique wants to do against a top team, uh, you know, bringing up, you know, what you were thinking about talking about earlier, Ethan, on formations against a more of a tougher team. Um, so I think having a tougher group is just going to be a blessing to us. Um, and not only that, it's going to bring on some good football matches. You know, um, I'm thinking about maybe t catching a flight and flying over there to visit a friend um, who lives in Holland and try to go to one of the games over there um, in November or December. So I'm really excited to see what we're going to do. Um, you know, the first game is just a couple weeks away um, against Dortmund. So uh, it's going to be a good, good challenge to see what where this team really stacks up against uh, top European um, opposition. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Dortmund is that first match uh, later this month after the international break. And yeah, Ethan, just looking at the draw and everything, six matches. There's no cakewalk here. Um, as Drew mentioned, there's no Bruges, there's no Maccabi Haifa, there's no Istanbul. So every game you got to get up. And I wrote a piece over on our Substack about how this is actually a blessing in disguise. Kind of what Drew was saying is that we're going to find out real quick which of these new signings are up for the challenge and which ones aren't. There's going to be no hiding. There's going to be high pressure. There's going to be high expectations. It's, it's no guarantee you're getting out of this group stage and advancing on. So we're going to learn a lot about these new players coming in and a lot about Luis Enrique as a manager and his tactics. So I'm really looking forward to it. What do you say about the uh, the draw? Yeah, I think we're going to find out who's, uh, as the youth say, who's got that dog in them. Um, I think uh, just how you guys said, I do think it's a good thing that we got this tough group. I know a lot of people, as soon as we drew Dortmund, everyone was like, all right, you know. And then we drew Milan, and people were like, okay, getting a little nervous. And then when we drew Newcastle, some people just went into panic mode. And I don't understand that at all. Um, just just like how Drew was saying, uh, Dortmund, the Bundesliga is a league that plays very open. Uh, they play, you know, I don't, I haven't watched a bunch of Dortmund this year, but they'll probably continue to just be like that. They play real open. They play real attacking. And like, like Drew said, Newcastle's the same way. So... Um, I'm not super worried, you know, if our defense is solid, then, then we'll be fine. Um, but it, they are good enough teams to where it's, it's like, if we don't make it out of the group, we didn't deserve to win it. So that's, that's fine, but I'll never shy away from a competition. I want as tough a group as possible. Um, because yeah, like, like you guys have said, it's clear that the, the level of, of the European teams in Liga recently, ha it just has not been ideal. Are the mid, I mean, the mid table is proven to be very strong in France, but those aren't the teams that were playing in the Champions League, and it's another step up, a, a step or two up from those kind of teams like Nantes, who barely avoided relegation, but they were in the Europa League knockout round, and you know Lyon, who finished seventh a couple of years ago, but they beat Man City in the Champions League quarterfinals. You know, it's those are great teams; they're good teams, but it's a step up when we're facing you know these these actual other. 
uh, Champions League teams, and any team from this group could be in the last 16. And if they make it, they, it would be deserved. You know, they would have deserved it. So um, I do appreciate the challenge. Uh, we we've got we don't have the toughest slate of of league games before these Champions League fixtures. So the, we should be able to rotate if Enrique, you know, sees fit. Uh, but I still, I'm still projecting that we're going to top our group. Uh, but just because, like, like you guys were saying, I think AC Milan will be the toughest team for us, just on on paper, the way that they play. I think it'll be a good challenge. I still predict them to finish third in the group, with you know, behind Newcastle. But um, I just think that's because Newcastle, even though they do lack experience, like you guys stated, I think they'll probably find a way. To win, to win those games uh, against the other two teams. So, um, but you guys are right. If we we win our home games and we can get, you know, say, a win and a draw, uh, one draw, one one win, one loss uh, away in the group, then we've almost certainly won it. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm feeling good about it. I do. I appreciate that it's a tough group, but I, I see us going through. Enrique is obviously a seasoned Champions League manager. And, um, yeah, we're going to, you know, he, he's, I trust his judgment. He's going to put out the best team. It's going to give us a chance to win against these, these quality opponents. I, I don't think we'd say any of these teams are, I've basically got six teams that probably have a realistic chance of winning the Champions League this year, us being one of them. So that's kind of tier one. Uh, but I'd put all these guys in tier two, you know, the, yeah. they could be dark horses if, if they really have a, you know, they figure their stuff out. So, um, yeah, going to be going to be good, good matchups. Um, and yeah, we're we have experienced too easy of a time in the group stage some years. So, um, yeah, if this prepares us for the last sixteen, then great. If we don't make it out of the group, we know that we didn't deserve to to be there. So, either way, yeah, I agree with you guys. Blessing in disguise for us. Yeah, it's going to be great. One thing to keep an eye on is uh, Lons over in Group B. Just for the the coefficient to keep League on as one of the the top five leagues in Europe, we really need them to do well and, and hopefully advance. Otherwise, I think uh, PSV and and then uh, the Eredivisie would would take over that spot. So we really need them to do well. So root for our fellow Liga um, team there. I think I'm looking forward to, you've got Donnarumma returning to AC Milan. That should be entertaining. We mentioned the yellow wall and, and the banter on social media against Dortmund. I don't think Dortmund is very good, but I think Dortmund away can be very daunting no matter who they put out there in their starting 11. Newcastle, did I see something? They haven't been in the Champions League for 20 years or something like that. I mean, that that crowd is going to be amped up for when PSG roll in there um, for a big Champions League night. So that could be daunting. Every away match is going to be a challenge. And I'm just looking forward to it. I don't know what's going to happen. I think we'll we'll advance, but it is going to be so entertaining, so much fun to watch. And, you know, for PSG fans, we usually wait to the second half of the season. That's what we call the business. And that's when things really start to pick up. We get into the knockout stage. Not the case this season. We've got all these new signings, and we're hitting the ground running against Dortmund, Milan, and Newcastle. So it's going to be very, very exciting. I think I agree with all of you. AC Milan is going to be the biggest test. It's going to be very hyped up here in uh, the U.S. because they've got Christian Pulisic on the U.S. men's national team. He'll be uh, probably starting for AC Milan, I think. Um, so keep an eye on that. Should be good. Um, Guys, I want to wrap up the show with a couple of quotes and just get your reaction to them. We're going to get to Neymar's recent quotes, but before that, I want to get to Lucas Hernandez's quote. Uh, and he said, quote, this is the biggest challenge of my career, talking about coming to PSG. It was time to change, to go to a very ambitious club like PSG and to create history. I hope to be able to go down in the history of this club. Drew, how does that make you feel as a PSG fan? And how do you think that makes Bayern Munich fans feel? You know, hearing that, I think it's it's something that a lot of French players have. Um, you know, everybody knows the French league isn't up to par when it comes to money and TV rights compared to the Spanish league, the English league. Um, and I think with Hernandez coming from Bayern to here and not really having the World Cup that he wanted, I think it kind of reset his mindset. I think that that's had a lot to do with it. Um, and it's good to see that he has the right motivation. Um, for the club um, at the moment. 
I think Drew may have froze. Okay, he he dropped off. Okay, pick it up from there. Um, Ethan, what do you have to say about Lucas Hernandez's quote? Yeah, I think it's interesting from Lucas Hernandez. I don't anticipate that Bayern fans will like that, obviously, just as uh, I feel like any time that a former player talks about their new team or their past experiences in in not not even not a negative light, but not a positive light, then then the the last team's fans probably won't like it. But um, I think it's interesting. I, I think it's pretty clear that this is the mentality that a lot of us fans have had where it's, you know, okay, yeah, you could go to Real Madrid and become another, you could become their 1,000th legend, you know, oh, you could be the 600th person that they've got a statue of sort of a thing. I know they don't actually have statues of, of that many people, but, you know, you could become just another legend over there, or you could, I mean, it's clearly tough. We've only had three teams in the past 30 years that are first-time Champions League winners. We've got Porto, Chelsea, and Man City, I think, is it. It's clearly tough to win the Champions League at a, t- at a club that's never done it. I don't care about how the, the influence or the, uh, not the exaggeration, but the there's more, like money is far more important in football the past 20 years than it was before. Uh, the Bosman ruling in 96 made it, you know, it really helped the status quo of, Clubs that were good then are going to remain good now, sort of a thing. We've hardly ever seen teams drop off. So there is really the status quo around football. And if, if you're a club that's never won the Champions League, it's very difficult to do so. We saw how long it took Man City, despite all the money they spent. We still haven't won it, despite the a lot of money that we've spent. Chelsea have done it twice, but it took them a long time. You know, they choked away a final in, I think, 2008 or so. And then the Porto one was just miraculous. But it's. I, I think us fans will really appreciate that he said that. It's. It's clearly a tough challenge to to break through that wall. So, um, yeah. And I know it, it would just be so cool if we won the Champions League with a with a big uh, influence from you know the French national team. We've got four guys that are not automatic starters, but we've got four guys, including our our front three, that are French national team starters when healthy. So. Um, yeah, just this this French pro- project at PSG. It's what neutrals have been saying we need to do for forever. Uh, and then this quote from Lucas Hernandez does kind of resonate with what a lot of us fans have said for so long. So um, I do want to know what are what are your thoughts on it though? Did you have something that I kind of didn't touch on? Yeah, um, I think it is the biggest challenge of his career. He's coming off that knee injury um, in the World Cup. So anytime you're coming back from that type of injury, I think it is going to be the biggest challenge of your career. So I think he's got that in the back of his mind. That's partly why he said it. I also think he's saying all the right things. We know when he was, you know, that transfer rumor started, a lot of the PSG ultras weren't too happy about it being uh, Marseille born, um, Lucas Hernandez, that is. So maybe this is also a way of him kind of saying the right things and trying to um, curry favor with the ultras and get on their good side. It's certainly possible, but I think a lot of what you said is correct. Um, PSG is very ambitious, and he wants to create history, and I think maybe that is why Mbappe hasn't left for Real Madrid. He could have gone there at any point probably in the last 10 years or so, and he hasn't, and I think he understands doing it and it being winning the Champions League at PSG is way more important to a legacy than at Real Madrid where it's been done 14 times. You, you go there, it's pressure, it's great, everyone, you, everything that comes with being a Real Madrid player. But the one thing they can't give you is winning the first Champions League trophy in club history. That's something they can't give. And I think that is very enticing to Mbappe and Lucas Hernandez. So I love this quote. I love that he is ambitious. And we'll get to the second quote in a while. And kind of hinting at that some people may not enjoy the pressure and may not enjoy being at PSG it certainly feels like Lucas Hernandez does appreciate being at PSG and wants to do well so those are my thoughts on that so should we get to uh to wrap up the show get to our friend Neymar um who is a current Al Halal player um 
and actually, we should probably just say we unfortunately we we've, we've lost Drew here. Uh, I think his computer uh, died, so if you don't hear his voice, that is why. But we're hopefully if we could bring him back to close out the show, great. But if not, we'll have to get him on another show. But yeah, mid thought there, his uh, his computer crapped out on us, so we lost one. But we, Ethan is still standing, so let's get your thoughts on Neymar's uh, quote. So he said. I was very happy for the year Leo Messi had, but at the same time, very sad. Because he lived both sides of the coin. He went to heaven with the Argentina national team. He won everything in recent years. And with Paris, he lived in hell. We live through hell, both he and I. Let's just take a moment of silence here for those two multi-millionaires. Living in hell in one of the best cities in the world as a professional footballer, Ethan. What do you have to say about this? <laughs> yeah, especially for a club that's always in the Champions League, you always God. have the chance to Good. to win the most prestigious uh, annual trophy in sports. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to take it uh, hard what they said, but it is it is funny the whole living in hell. It's like yeah, a lot of a lot of these ultras, not even the majority of ultras, because I tried to say this when all that news came out in in uh, April and May. The people that are going to Neymar's house and they're verbally insulting these two guys, that's not the majority of fans. I get that, you know, the average PSG fan doesn't have a bunch of love for Messi. It's just his work rate wasn't great. He wasn't the player that we needed. But I also don't fault him too much just because our management was fairly poor when we brought him in. We still had Leonardo. Nasser is is a mixed bag when it comes to you know, sometimes he's phenomenal. Sometimes he's absolutely in the gutter. So he like he's a real mixed bag. So, um, as far as yeah, the whole living in hell thing was a bit extreme. But the the pressure of PSG and and people, if you're not a PSG fan, you hear me say this. I'm not saying that PSG is the greatest club in the world. They're the greatest club to me. They're the only club I care about. I don't I don't care that we've never won the Champions League. That's not why I chose to be a fan because of our trophy cabinet. I chose it because, you know, I'm French American and all my family comes from Paris and I speak the language and I love the club and I love the but culture. Don't you know they, they don't have any history? Dude, we, I mean, we do. We do have history. Just look up on Wikipedia. But even if we actually didn't have any history, we don't care. That's not, that's not where our fandom comes from. Our fandom does not stem from silverware in behind a freaking plate of glass. So, it's the pressure of, but when I was getting to, I and this isn't a knock on anyone, the pressure of PSG is not for everyone. It wasn't for Christophe Gaultier. It wasn't for Pochettino, although I'm a, I am used to be a big Pochettino hater, but I, we did not set him up for success. It's just not for everyone. And I think that these a lot of these French guys, they understand what it means. They get it. So they're a little more in tune to what it's going to be like to play there and the pressure that's going to be there. But I just, I just get it. Like players thrive when they feel comfortable and they enjoy where, where they're at. And those guys, you know, the, some fans had a part to do with it, of course, but for whatever reason, um, you know, and it's not a, Oh, they're South American thing. I know some people have said that Thiago Silva, uh, Rye, you know, we've had so many good, uh, South American players. Like I'd say Rai is probably, he was only PSG five years in the nineties, but he probably had the best prime of any PSG player ever. So if you want to say off of prime, he's our greatest ever player, then, you know, the goat for PSG is a Brazilian. So I don't think you can say that it's, oh, South American players won't do well there or that, you know, I've seen some people even claim that our, our fans don't like South Americans. It's nowhere true. We, I mean, it's just it's it's obviously false. So they're just grasping at straws. But it's the it's I just go back to the 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 culture of everything. I get it's not for everyone. Not everyone's gonna love it. Messi was obviously he became the greatest of all time because he loved it in Barcelona. They it just it had everything he wanted. Everything was was how he envisioned you know playing football. And PSG is just not the same. So. Um, I don't blame him. Obviously, it's, you know, I don't take it personally either. I think a lot of us will hear that and we'll get all upset being like, oh, you know, you're not what we wanted anyway, kind of a thing. Or we were living through hell going, uh, watching you play. You know, I've seen some people say that, but 
that's that's not the case. I, I don't think they meant it too personal, but it's just it's not for everyone. It's a this is a weird club. Paris Saint Germain is a weird club to support. It's a weird club. There's the only kind of club like it out there is Bayern Munich. I think if you just look at a lot of factors, you know, just the, the domestic league, the Hollywood FC reputation, and you look at Bayern, majority German players. They're just they know what it's like to carry German legacy through their club. And I think that the fact that we have a little more French influence on the team now, I think is going to help us kind of do the same. So that's my take on it. Uh, I, I feel like you've typically got more uh, more <laughs> outspoken opinions on these things. So let's hear what you got, what you're thinking. Yeah. What can we say about Neymar? I mean, just in general, in general, just because Messi can't stop talking about how he was miserable here and he didn't want to be here. And now Neymar's doing the same. Just in general, like you're at, you're at different clubs now. This chapter is closed. If someone asked you about your time at PSG, I had a great time. I really enjoyed my, my time there and, and met some really good friends. And we didn't achieve all of our goals, but it was a good time. You know, I look back on it finally. That's it. You don't even need to probably say that much. Yeah. When you when you start taking shots at your former club, I think it says a lot more about you than the club. And it's also funny that both of them I don't think follow PSG on Instagram anymore, which I know is a silly metric, but the fact that both of them still follow their former club Barcelona but not PSG, I think that says a lot about their tenure here at, at PSG. What you said about PSG not being for everyone is a great point. I think Messi, he had nowhere else to go. No one, he wasn't going to reduce his wages. No one else could pay it really. PSG were the only one. So he came here to basically prep for the World Cup, which he won. And then that was it. He wasn't ever here for PSG. And then he's getting upset because he's getting whistled at for walking around in a Champions League game. I don't know why he then has to take a shot. Like, you know what you did. You know that you didn't give your all, that your heart wasn't into performing at this club that was paying you very well so like why are you taking shots like you're just as much to blame for the fractured relationship right like PSG didn't tell you to go to Saudi Arabia and be an Instagram influencer and skip training you did that on your own but then everyone wants to point at PSG like they're the bad guys I think both of them made choices that benefited them not necessarily PSG and then they ultimately have gone in separate directions away from PSG and now they want to take shots at PSG. And only thing that the club is guilty of is paying them handsomely, giving them opportunities to win the Champions League, surrounding them with world-class talent. What did PSG ever do that was bad towards either one of them to deserve these sort of comments? Living in hell? Are you serious? Um, and that, that's kind of my thoughts on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, obviously we have gone over the, the using the word hell is definitely extreme. Um, if he was living in hell, didn't he sign a, a new contract with us? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, you can definitely argue that we never gave them the the, the best opportunities to succeed and all that. And uh, you can argue that. Gave him Kylian Mbappe, Marco Verratti. Marquinhos. No, I know, I know. Like they did Bikini. have a great team, but I I do want to touch on the point real quick before we get out of here. Uh, yeah. What you said. Um, that you know what did the club ever do to them and you can argue you know some fans did stuff obviously the club the club really never from what we publicly know the club never treated them unfairly i feel like if the club had done something if nasser had you know done something cruelly like truly vile to one of them that we would be hearing about it because nasser is a uh, controversial person but since those things aren't coming out, we, we have to assume, at least for now, that, that they didn't happen. So, and you look at that, and some people say that, you know, oh, PSG is a soulless club and you know, history and all that. That's just, um, that's not the case for most players that play here. You have so many players. I mean, um, there is this great, I wish I could remember their name. I think their, their tag on, on Instagram is Ferrati, but that first E is a three something like that. Mm -hmm. Whoever that is that runs that account, they're always posting these just phenomenal quotes that former PSG players have said about the club. What Angel Di Maria has said about the club, how that club reunited his passion for football. What Rai has said, what Safet Susic, PSG legend from the 80s and early 90s has said. And you look at those quotes and you're thinking, 
it's not just a thing that, um, you know, Messi and Neymar and whoever else that doesn't like the club, it's not like they're the vast majority. So many guys that, that play here absolutely love their time at Paris Saint-Germain, and that is people of all walks of life. That is people of all races, nationalities, um, you know, coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds. So it's it's not just this thing that, oh, you're not French, you're going to hate it at PSG, or, you know, if you beat France in a World Cup final, you're going to hate it at PSG. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the 98 final. Uh, I believe that, I think actually for the 94 World Cup final, Rye was the captain for Brazil for a lot of that. And I think they won that. And then in 98, if I remember right, I think he was still in the squad. They lost to France in the final at the Stade de France across town in Paris. Did you see him badmouthing France or PSG, who had a lot of players in that team, a couple of players in that team, after, after losing in a World Cup final? You didn't see that from these guys. So, um, I just do want to point out that this this idea that players that didn't grow up loving PSG can't learn to love them is just completely false. Um, and so many so many of our our legends truly loved playing for the club and had a phenomenal time playing yeah. for Paris Saint Germain. A lot of them not even hardly playing in the Champions League. Guys like Poleta, who was Portuguese in the mid two thousands, I I think he played in the Champions League group stage one time with PSG mm-hmm. as far as one season is what I'm referring to. Um, and that guy is absolutely loved by everybody. Uh, and so I just do want to point that out is look, look at what these past legends have said for Paris Saint-Germain. Talk about, or look, look at what they've said about what PSG DNA is. I know that people who hate us joke that PSG DNA is choking ch- Champions League uh, matches, but, <laughs> um, which is, is funny. I do think that's just a funny way to say that, but, um, uh, recently, you could argue that, oh, yeah, we have not been a clutch team in the Champions League recently. But if if you think that's what PSG DNA is throughout the course of this club's history, going back to 1970, or if you're of my opinion, the club was founded in 1904 in Saint-Germain, uh, the club originally being Stade Saint-Germain, um, their headquarters being at um, the, old, uh, the old training center that we moved away from this last year. Um, just look at what all these past legends have said about the club. And you'll see that there is a lot of love for this club. Just because, you know, the two of the three most high-profile players ever, you know, in the social media era, Messi and Neymar didn't like the club, doesn't mean that we're universally hated. It doesn't mean that we're automatically an evil club. You can think we're an evil club, and you can think you can consider us the bad guys of football, but deep down, you you have to know that we're, it's not like we're despised by everyone. So think of us as the bad guys, whatever. We can be the evil empire in your eyes, you know, and and uh, and someday we'll win the Champions League and it'll make you all upset. But but deep down, there is so much love in this club that outsiders just, they never see it because they don't care to really learn. So mm. just wanted to say that as a final word. Those are great points. I think when PSG do win the Champions League, I think that's when I'll shut the website down. Mission accomplished. It'll be a party that no feeling will ever be better than that. So uh, we'll throw that out there. But also I wanted to mention, you know, David Beckham, who is part owner of Inter Miami. He has great things to say about his short Mm -hmm. time at PSG. We saw Zlatan getting teared up when he had his farewell. Uh, Maxwell is, is always involved with the club. Ronaldinho, uh, great, great things to say about the club. So to just echo your point and, uh, coming across the the Twitter wires here, I just wanted to mention another quote here from Luis Enrique because he was asked about Neymar's comments. And so he said, quote, Neymar's statements that he and Messi's time here were like hell. These are personal experiences. I don't want to get into that. I could tell you about my experience. I'm absolutely delighted. I feel like I'm in charge of a rather unique team with a club that trusts me 100%. That is a man who's had media training. That's exactly. Yeah. Dismiss it. You focus mm-hmm. on yourself. You keep it moving. Um, exactly. As I said when we started this topic, I think what Neymar and Messi are saying about PSG says more about themselves and how they conducted themselves at PSG than the club itself. So um, we did get um, Drew. We did get Drew to come back in, I, and, and as I said, we spent too much time. I do want to get his thoughts now that he's rebooted back up. Drew, if you can hear me, give us a thumbs up. 
Um, Loud and clear it. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll let you have the final say. What do you have to say about his comments that he was uh, he and Messi were living in hell? I thought it was a little bit distasteful. Um, Neymar's really never spoken negatively about the club, you know, in general and like in interviews. Um, and it seemed like, you know, with his exit from the club, it was it seemed very mutual on both parties side. Um, but for him to go as far as say that he was living in hell after, you know, being at the club for six years and having good moments and bad moments, it seemed a little out of place. Um, I think it might be kind of a strike towards him actually maybe kind of wanting to stay, but you know, the whole situation with Mbappe kind of, you know, a lot of us assume that he was kind of playing the cards behind the scenes, you know, asking the club, you know, sell Neymar per se. I think Neymar seems kind of like a little hard done in that situation. Um, he kind of maybe wanted to stay in Europe and not want to move to Saudi Arabia. Life is really different there compared to, you know, a lot of, you know, westernized countries. Um, but I thought it was a little low. I think that, I think he may feel like his level of play isn't, you know, so far down that he has to, you know, play in a not so competitive league, i.e. the Saudi league. But I think it was more just, you know, just to show that he was still, you know, had some say of the whole situation um, and that he more or less wanted to leave, not the club selling him um, to the Saudi club that he went to. I thought it was just a little distasteful in general. Uh, Messi's comments were kind of a little bit more accepting because we all know he would have stayed at Barcelona if he could have. Um, but their financial situation just didn't allow them to, you know, re-sign him. But with Neymar, he asked to come to the club in 2017. So the decision was all on him. You know, we all make bad decisions. You know, me not plugging in my computer during the podcast was a bad decision. Um, but I think it was more like he kind of wanted to show, you know, that, oh, you know, I left because, you know, it was a bad situation. I wasn't happy there. This is why I left. Not the club selling him because he was consistently injured, not, you know, playing to the standard that we all know he could have played. Um, you know, something that I, I was reading on Instagram earlier, someone posted something that I noticed a long time ago is that, you know, the whole time he was there, he only scored two knockout goals, two knockout goals, you know, out of the all six years, you know, a lot of the years he wasn't there um, because of, you know, injury. You can't, you know, predict when someone's getting injured, but the games he was there, he only scored two knockout goals. You know, personal Kempembe has half as many knockout goals as Neymar. And, you know, and he's a central defender. How um, much did we pay for those two goals? If you look at his yeah, salary, what is exactly. that? You Ethan, know, you're the financial have... guru. How much did we pay per knockout stage goal? Yeah, yeah so. you know, so it was a little, you know, kind of a shot. Um, and, you know, a lot of players take that shot at PSG because of, you know, you know, Brazilians and a lot of South Americans. Life in France is a lot different than life in Brazil or Argentina or, you know, a lot of other places. I think, you know, my t final opinion on it is, is that he never really embraced life in France. Um, and you can tell by, you know, his ne his unwillingness to learn French compared to someone who, you know, was at the club, who was a fellow Brazilian, say, Lucas Moura, Marquinhos, David Luiz, Thiago Silva. You know, that showed a lot, you know, right off the bat. And, you know, after year two, three of him being at the club and never speaking French, um, it just showed how vested he was compared to somebody else. And then now that he's gone, you know, I, I just wasn't surprised that he took that shot when he was given, you know, that shot to say what he said um, towards the club. And, you know, a lot of people like myself and you guys could probably agree, no hard feelings, but, you know, you had your chance. You didn't, you know, live up to what we all expected him to do. Um, and, you know, good luck in Saudi Arabia. Um, I seriously doubt he'll ever play in Europe again. Um, and even, you know, when it goes to, you know, his, his place in the Brazilian national team, you know, is, is really up for jeopardy. I'm sure he'll probably get called up for maybe the next World Cup, but is he going to be a starter? I doubt that over Vinicius Jr. or Rodrigo or anybody else that Brazil is has on their attacking line. But it was just distasteful. Um, you know, good riddance. You know, you, you saw what the Ultras put last week um, at the park, and, and it's yeah. true, you know. Um, you live in a country for six-plus years and you don't speak the language. Um, that's surprising, you know. Um, and it just goes all back to how how vested was he uh, at the club and his time there? And it, and it shows that he wasn't there psychologically. He made a lot of money, um, but, you know, let him go. We, we Obviously, we're doing a lot better without him. And he can do what he does in Saudi Arabia if he can ever get back on the field healthy and play football again. 
Man, Drew came in at the last minute, bringing the came heat. In hot. Came in hot. I love. It. I'm glad we were able to get you in. Uh, next time, plug in your computer. But man, that yeah, great man. thoughts, and I 100 agree with you. I think maybe he's a little salty that we really don't care that he and Messi are gone because we are more than ecstatic about the current club, the current status of where everything is moving. We're going in the right direction. Young, exciting, fast players. It's a good time to be a PSG fan and and nothing that Messi or Neymar say is going to get us down. So thank you so much for those comments. Um, We'll let you guys go. Thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm Ed. You can follow me on Twitter at PSG Talk. Uh, Drew, how can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Le Chiffre. They're posting mostly uh, match highlights. Not today. I was too busy watching the match. Um, Sometimes I don't want to get too busy posting on Twitter and and not being able to analyze the match. while while it's playing out live i know it's hard sometimes i want to watch i'm like i gotta tweet about it so uh but ethan how can people find you for all the psg financial news (laughs) yeah it's pretty clear it's in my bio even uh at psg underscore boise um last bit uh you were asking his uh neymar's uh, wages per goal i think his first contract he's making like 35 to 40 million a year at the club and then once he signed the extension he was making 56 million a year that's what the club is paying out to him. So we have to figure out what, what the club's, you know, mm-hmm. I don't care what his net salary is, but the club was paying, what is that? I don't know, freaking $250 million for two knockout goals. So, but yeah, uh, at PSG underscore Boise for me. God, that is just depressing. Thank you, Ethan, for that. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Leave us a comment, uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave us a review. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.